Hey, welcome into the Gridiron Picks show. This is week seven of the NFL season. I cannot believe we're seven weeks into the season. This is actually scary, scary times in a good way. Joined by Mr. Ollie Conley. Ollie, uh, managing editor of Gridiron, the main man of Gridiron. And the main man in terms of picks, uh, what a week we had last week, man, across the board. Did we really? Did we do well on the picks? I'm just realizing that you weren't on that graphic, but there was a graphic of, uh, with me, Simon Clancy, Will, Will Gavin, etc. And I think 80% of the picks were wrong. Tom Moore was getting <laughs> slagged for picking the Jets. Uh, and look who came out on top of the answer. That's great. Week seven is a great time for me personally, because I like to try and pretend to be nuanced and all these kind of things. And so you think the opening six weeks of the season when the hot takes are kicking in, you think, oh, well, I'm just going to try and, you know, wait a little. I'll show some patience. I'll tell people, hang on, you know, things will get right. By the time you roll into week seven, it's time to start having some real opinions about whether these teams are, are, are good or not. You, you, there's only so much fat trimming and schematic changes you can make midstream like this. At some point, the Broncos are just broken, Michael. I love how you're telling me that. I mean, just just because you know I support them, and behind the screen now there is a cushion and a hat. And uh, let's just say I won't be saying let's ride next weekend in London, but I'll, I'll see you there. Uh, we are obviously looking at different odds and picks for the Week Seven action, which gets underway this weekend. And the odds that we're using, folks, is on the UniBet betting website. And um, you can actually get a link in the bio of this podcast for a sign-up offer. Obviously. Um, the odds that you find on your bookmaker may be different. The handicap totals may be different. The over-under, uh, just be aware of that there. But usually they're very similar. Please do only about what you can afford, 18 plus. Uh, when the fun stops, please stop. And I wish I could say that to Russell Wilson as well. Uh, <laughs> last week, Oliver, uh, we had a bet each of the week. The first one I done was Vikings minus three and a half at Miami at 19 to 20 on. Ding, 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 win. Your Ravens one was... Uh, I know. I know. It wasn't looking too bad for a, for a bit. Oh, you're telling me. I, I was doing the uh, the 49ers watch party in Leeds last weekend. Thank you to everyone who came out. Another smorgasbord. It's funny because we've spoken about this now multiple times where every time I seem to go out in public now around an NFL event, people ask me, where is the picture? Where is the picture? <laughs> people coming up to me at the Leeds party on Sunday... We're in Leeds hosting an event for the 49ers who were hosting their first watch party in the UK. It was an, it was an unbelievable experience. It's a great, great event that the, the fans were incredible. The Nanas, to be fair to them, but on a wonderful, wonderful show. Tons of people talking to me about the pick show and people were checking in with me about that bet which is was weird to me because I forgot what it was, right? I didn't care. And then I was sat with Nicholas McGee, Gridiron contributor, and I'm watching going, I think I might be the smartest man alive. This looks like it's going to come through. To pick the exact margin of win is pretty, you know, isn't easy. And it looks so good for so long. Uh, and then Wink Martindale did Wink Martindale things, and I lost my bet. Well, we're trying to talk about as many teams in the show as possible. We, we usually select three or four teams each week. And that's why this week, producer Mike has put in this game and I apologize to fans do stay with us <laughs> I'm joking uh, Packers Commanders the first game we're going to look at we haven't really talked about some of these teams this week but uh, Commanders are in an interesting situation the Packers I think betting wise Ollie this is a really interesting handicap yeah they're minus five on the handicap at 10 to 11 on the over and under is 41 and a half at 10 to 11 Packers favored now you've done a piece this week for the read optional which was a, a really really good read and it says you know Rogers currently ranks 
31st among 37 eligible quarterbacks on flows of 20 yards or more. And yep. he's completed just 27% of deep balls, a guy that usually you would rely on. We've seen throughout the years doing incredible plays, you know, gasping plays. Commanders on the other side, Ollie, uh, have covered the spread two times over six games with a set spread. Heineke? Heineken, Heineken, Heineke, going a quarterback for the Commanders. Yeah. Uh, sell me this game as a fan. I, I need to be sold this game. As a fan, well, you, it might be some fractured offense. You're going to see an awful lot maybe of uh, Aaron Rodgers pouting. I, I, that is a really strange to me handicap, like you said. The Packers being five points favorites when things look so fractured and broken right now is really unusual. And that has to be Vegas thinking this is a get-right game for the Packers, right? And they're just going to come out and club them because they're so frustrated by what's been a bad week. And maybe all this talk of simplifying the offense, let's embrace simplicity. Maybe they do embrace simplicity and Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers again. I, I still don't know on the, that deep ball stuff how much of it is compromised by the finger injury they haven't talked about the finger injury an awful lot and the way he missed throws last week was very very different to the way he's missed throws the rest of the season early in the season was him misreading stuff or just not pulling the trigger last week was him under throwing three or four shots down the field or just missing completely and Aaron Rodgers is nothing if not accurate down the field right that's his main main strength is that he can move he can create and then when he lets it go down the field he can be risk averse that's kind of one of the knocks on him but when he does let it go supremely accurate and completes more deep balls than anyone in the nfl so it's a really jarring figure what i think is the most intriguing part of this game the Packers offense is awful on third downs and that is where they are supposed to be at their best, right? One, they've got those two running backs that everyone likes. That's kind of the, the, the best features of their offense. Then they've got Aaron Rodgers who is a move to create guy and if you have a quarterback who can move and create on third down, you should have one of the best third down offenses in the NFL. They've been horrific on third down. Their third down game plan, which I won't bore you with right now, I did detail in that read optional piece, is just bizarre. It makes no sense in the slightest. Meanwhile, Washington, whose defense is okay started out horrifically right like they couldn't cover anyone everyone's talking about firing jack del rio in season more coverage bust than any team in the league other than the packers essentially they're unbelievably good on third down right that's when they get to take one of those crappy linebackers off the field they're forced to say okay these guys are crap but they have to play early downs because they got big bodies on the field when everyone goes light on third down they can at least take one of those guys off the field and all those pass rushes that they've spent all that money signing and, and drafting they're able to get those guys on the field all together and they've been the sixth best defense in the league per play on third down so you have this Packers offense we're, we're thinking might get right who've been awful on third down and the Washington defense who we think is awful it's actually been great on third down so it's a it will be a third down game as it so often is in the nfl i in terms in terms of the third down 30 uh, the, the commander's defense is going with 31.7 percent third down conversion percentage one of the best in the league as you said i in terms of the betting angle it's i'm sorry and i know i said it last week about a team i didn't say printing money or i said lock of the week but minus five in the handicap with Aaron Rodgers under pressure I'm sorry, and we've talked, you talked about this in the MCFS this week, the, the MCFS this week, he's got enough weapons to get the ball down the field. Get the ball down the field. They should cover that handicap, yeah? Minus five. Should, sure. I mean, as you said, he is the uh, an all-time great of 
I'm going to, I say backs against the wall. They're very rarely backs against the wall. They win 12 to 14 games every season, seemingly. But whenever there's one of these wobbles, right, outside of that one McCarthy year, whenever there's a wobble, they just then rip off eight straight wins or eight pace people. Obviously, the RELAX is the famous one. But even when Matt LaFleur first came in, it was a bit bitty between the offense and what we trying to run. Then they went on and ripped off back-to-back MVPs the following season, right? And they finished that first season very well together once they figured it out. So this is kind of what they do is Rodgers has a stumble last year. We met, remember against the Saints week one, they played really poorly. What is happening? Is this the year when it comes undone? And then he ripped off like 40 straight wins, something crazy and just dropped 40 points in everyone's head. So um, yeah, this does have the real smell of that week where everyone shoveled dirt on Aaron Rodgers and he just comes out and just, just smashes the commanders over the head. That's what you said about week seven being the week where we start to think, you know, are these teams good? I actually think this is a week where everything sort of resets and the teams that have been struggling come back in. So I'll I'll take the, I'll take the Packers and the money line, and I'll I'll take the uh, the handicap as well, and I will do that, and I will post receipts on social media nice. over the weekend. We are recording this, Oliver, on a Thursday for people listening to this podcast before what can only be hoped is a classic Thursday night football. And uh, so happy Friday to everybody, and I'm presuming by the time this recording goes out that the Packers will not have traded for any wide receiver which would have completely obliterated the conversation but let's see if Aaron gets the ball down the field um, you were at the Niners watch party last week oh. and I think everybody at Gridiron picked the Niners to win last week against the Atlanta Falcons and they're a team that have really surprised people so far this year in terms of their ability to win games and more so score points both in passing touchdowns and rushing Marcus Moyota looks really really good in comparison to what I thought he was going to be they go up against the Bengals this week going to Cincinnati uh, Bengals had a home game last week in Louisiana by the sounds of it going up <laughs> against the Saints uh, Bengals are favored six and a half on the handicap at 10 to 11 over the over is 47 and a half at 10 to 11 Bengals favored in the game the one thing I'll say Oliver in terms of uh, betting and um, the Bengals games have only went over the over total once so far this season. Yeah. And we're going into week seven. And then that, 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 that's public money, right? Thinking they have to be an explosive offense because the only people they know on the team are Burrow, Mixon, and Chase, right? That has to be set <laughs> the line stupidly high, thinking people think, oh, they must be super explosive on offense, and they, they, they've not been. Boom. Mm-hmm. Um, What's your thoughts? Because I mean, you've literally summed it up there now. Because they they're they're starting to come back into themselves. They put what thirty points up against the Saints last week. And the Saints, well, it remains to be seen what happens in Week Seven with them. But to, to go to Louisiana, to go to an atmosphere that could have been a bit crazy, they done well last week. They did do well last week, and they, they actually changed some things on offense first time in two seasons. They decided, hey, we should maybe do something different. This is not working so well. They moved Jamar Chase inside a ton. Finally, thankfully, helping Jamar Chase get off the line of scrimmage untouched. And if Jamar Chase gets off the line of scrimmage untouched, what did he do, Michael? He dunked on everyone's head all over the field, right? It's like the only way to slow down Jamar Chase is either to beat the shit out of him at the line of scrimmage or to have one of these morphing double teams teams like to run. And so you're committing two guys to him the whole time. And the, the hope is that you can then pick apart the defense on the other side of the field, right? The way to counteract that for the Bengals is to bring him really close to the line of scrimmage to get him a free, clean release or put him in the slot because there's just a wider array of routes available to you in the slot because you have basically a three-way go whereas if you're up against the sideline what does Jamar Chase do he either runs down the sideline or he kind of arcs over the middle of the field right those are kind of the two basic tenets of Jamar Chase and defenses have combated that now so finally thankfully Callahan and Zach Taylor got together and uh, it, it does take them a long long time to adjust they have made that adjustment I hope that they they stick to that adjustment Good to see Cal Pitts finally got his flight back from London last yeah. week as well for the first time in 14 months or wherever it was. Uh, intrigued to see how the Falcons would do. I like 
the Bengals in this game, uh, but I like the over. I know I said it was once in seven weeks or six yes. weeks. I'm, I, I like, I'm, I'm I like take the, the over. Falcons in this game. I like the Falcons in this game. I think giving them basically a touchdown is too much. They have the seventh best offense in the league by EPA per play. Um, I, I've said this before many times, but I sincerely believe that Arthur Smith is a subscriber of the read optional. That they have based their entire <laughs> offense. Maybe he got the Gridiron magazine. If you remember that one right behind you, right there, the year of Trey Lance. The whole point of the year of Trey Lance was that this would be it was it was a way of me sneaking in a column about the pistol formation. And this is going to be a good social post as well. So keep going, it's all good. <laughs> it was a way of me sneaking in a column about how this was going to be the year of the pistol formation. I wrote that column on the read optional. People can go and read it because the way defenses have adapted, bringing the pistol back made a ton of sense. Tom Brady's running it a ton. They're not to great success, but who is running it the most? Who is running it by far the most? Creatively, the most successfully, Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons. They should not have the talent to be seventh in the league in EPA per play. I do like their offensive line. It's very mobile. I think Mariota's good enough. And then you've obviously got Pitts and London, those two are young, budding superstars. But it's still not quite enough talent when you take Cordero Patterson out as they have to be seventh in the league in EPA per play. It is pure coaching. So give me that coaching group up against the coaching group on the other side of the ball, who did finally make an adjustment. We'll see if they, they hold to it. And Dean Peace and the Falcons defense, man, they've been playing way way better than than people uh believe and when you are going up against an offense that is as predictable as the bengals is and you've got a guy who's been in the league for ten thousand years and has seen all this stuff 10 billion times i'm gonna take the six and a half points i'm gonna pick the falcons i like the over and now i'm scared to pick the bengals so i'm just gonna say the over and move on and um, how good was that chief spells game last week oh, like that yeah. was like i i and i know you got home in time for that because i was texting you <laughs> and I, I was really worried that you were going to miss it but i i remember i think i tweeted after it gave us this game again or as soon as possible it was just so enjoyable to watch like i know i know the bills are on a bye this week and it looks like josh allen is enjoying himself but the chiefs have to go play a football game this week they're playing the niners and they're favored and um, the game is in Levi's Stadium. I was going to say I thought it was in our head for a second, but it's in Levi's. The, the, the Chiefs are favored two and a half point favorites at 22 25. The over, which is really interesting, is 48 and a half because the Niners have got a lot of people missing, to say the least. Yeah. Um, and they're like they're coming off like arguably a struggle last week. I mean, I know they got injuries, but I mean, a last lot week of people was expected to win last week. They, of course, because they they are on paper the better team, but the injuries were pretty insane last week. And it's not only they went into the game. Fox has this new metric that I really enjoy. It's called the banged up score, which um, Football Outsiders has this really nerdy way of describing that. It's like kind of adjusted missed snaps or some kind of like nerd shit. Uh, Fox just calls it banged up score, right? Easier to understand. Who is the most injured in the league? The Niners are the most injured team in the league by a long, long way. It's not even close between them at 32 and the team at 31. And they still have loads of those guys out. And in the Falcons game, they lost people as well. And if you go through who is like struggling to play right now, the guys who haven't yet practiced, right? You've got Eric Armstead. Uh, Samson Ebukman, you've got Hafanga, McGlinchley, and Chavarius Ward, and the guys who are injured but have practiced, so you have no idea how these guys are going to look, right? You have no idea, you know, they're not on the injury pole, whatever, but they've been injured. Jason Verrett, Drake Jackson, Nick Bosa might play, and then Jimmy Ward, who broke his hand or wrist or something, so he's playing with a cast, so you have no idea what that's going to look like on Sunday. That is... You could build almost a Pro Bowl team, at least for this season, out of that group of guys who have, have been injured, are currently injured, or are working their way back from an injury. It's an awful lot to be struggling with, even with an all-time great defense. The great thing about the Niners, beyond how quick they are at the linebacker level, which no one else in the league really has to that degree, is that they can cycle through 
20 different players, both in the secondary and up front. And so they're always fresh, always spry, and they can run a bunch of different things on a down-to-down basis because they've got so many different skill sets they can roll through. When you take that away, you end up with the situation they have with the Falcons, right, which is just getting gashed by the Marcus Mario to run and unable to adjust their front because they didn't have the pieces left to adjust in the way they would ordinarily want to do. So it's... I mean, this is injuries, man. You get injured in the NFL. It's it's an injury. It's an injury league. The least injured team usually ends up winning the whole thing, or at least making the playoffs. I genuinely think, and Niners fans do not hate me here. Every lad's name you just call out there, let them sit for the weekend. Yeah, just just get rolled over by Kansas City and go again and be more fresh because the way that the NFC West is going, just let it sit. I yeah. do think from a betting ter- thing, though, Ollie, like two and a half on the handicap for the Chiefs. Here we go. I mean, that, it could be a Packers-Chiefs handicap double there, very, very potentially, because it, I just think that after last week and after the struggle that Mahomes had, especially towards the end of the game with, with the interception, and he, he'll be kicking himself all week for that, kicking himself until the end of the season for that, for what he had done. Um, I, I think he'll go out and just fire, it, fire the ball out. Kelsey leads the league at the minute in touchdown receptions. Um, Debo Samuel didn't score a touchdown last week, only has two passing touchdowns so far this season. So who knows? I like the Chiefs. Yeah, I like the Chiefs too. I think that's that's the correct one. Uh, the you know trying to look at what the Bills did last week to Mahomes. You know Mahomes and the Chiefs offense had been rolling through everyone until they faced that Bills defense. And what the Bills did was they played way more man coverage than any other team has played against the Chiefs all season long. They're able to get home with a four man rush and then just use the the odd pressure when they felt it was kind of really go time, and they were able to use them in kind of designer ways, which is a lot of where the league has gone. The Niners ordinarily would be the one team you would say, hey, they can replicate that. They got the pieces to replicate that. They have the safeties and linebackers to play with Travis Kelsey man coverage, or at least to bracket him, and they clearly have the best four-man pass rush in the NFL. So on paper, that all makes sense. They can be the team to replicate that plan. Like you said, these guys are so injured. It's like, I'm not sure they're going to be able to actually be able to replicate that plan. If you can't replicate that plan, you're in trouble against the Chiefs. I'm with you. The NFC is so bad, and you're basically looking at playing... The Eagles in January, right? Maybe the Cowboys, depending on how Dak looks when he comes back. Figuring out if Tampa wants to be good or not, which we don't know yet. Um, and then who else other than that? The Vikings. Are the Vikings really good or not? That's about it. And then will the Rams ever find an offensive line? Probably not in time for the playoffs. So, yeah. Rest them, man. <laughs> Steal a second bye week. All you got to do is get into the dance. They've done this before. They did this last year. Get in the dance and then just roll through the playoffs. Should we cancel our Arizona flights and just go to the <laughs> AFC Championship game? Or what's the plan? <laughs> uh, let me put this to you. Would you rather have a Super Bowl this year or would you rather have the Chiefs and Bills play each other best of three? Three successive weeks, no playoffs. I say we go like NBA Finals, best of seven. But yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, you were talking about the the Niners injuries. Let's jump at this last at this last game. Sunday, Sunday night. Can I just say now? To my senior in his company, I am not watching Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football next week. The Steelers against the Dolphins night, like I'm joking. The Niners are like a like a hospital at the minute with their injuries. But Jesus, have you seen the injuries for the Steelers? It's actually nuts. It's I didn't realize how bad it was until I looked at it. But Kenny Pickett, um, you you were saying sort of just you know just on our 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 production, like what do we make of a start? I I don't know. Like four interceptions. In three games, he has a better completion rate than Mitchell Trubisky. I'll give him that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, this game. I just hope, please God, at the time recording, like, I hope Tua comes in and sees the game out because it's been a merry-go-round there the last few weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. Um, and hopefully Tua can complete the game. And if Tua is playing and is fully healthy, which he appears to be, is the only reason he is playing. Um, 
I'm not sure this game should be all that close. Seven points is still a lot. You know, having a, a full touchdown still feels like a lot when you're gambling. I think the thing for me is more so if it is Pickett that starts and maybe at some point they go to Trubisky, not because of injury, but maybe because they think Trubisky's a better option. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you saw the report. They only benched Trubisky because he got in a fight. They, they didn't bench him because they felt his performance wasn't good enough. So against that Dolphins defense of all the weird, weird stuff they do up front, right? All that re-blitz stuff and crowding the line with nine guys. It's going to be the most frenetic NFL situation Kenny Pickett has ever been in. And the thing that's been true of Pickett from Pitt on through playing for the Steelers is the guy just isn't quick at anything. That's the problem. And you would hope over time, can he quick speed up? Can he speed up? Can he speed up? I mean, the guy's almost always 40 because he was in college for like 12 years, but he's not got a quick release. He's not a quick decision maker and the ball doesn't fly out of his hand. It's the, he's supposed to be the one who makes smart decisions. Even if they're a tick too late for what you'd want, the dolphins force you into quick decisions. So I'm, I'm, I'm more interested just for his development too. Like, can he show us he can, quicken up those decisions um it'll be really really interesting to see I, I would suggest that at this stage in his career based on what we've seen not quite there yet and I, i'd fancy that dolphins defense the mood in, in pittsburgh is really interesting i was talking mm-hmm. to a few people uh, in pittsburgh last week and they're very they're very in and canny picket they want to give him time which is fair and you know they have to he, he needs to be given minimum one and a half two seasons to try and embed himself into that offense and they're great they're, they're lucky they've got a coach and coach tomlin which can uh, defensively get them over the line in certain situations and um, i should i should have said yes the dolphins are favorite in the handicap seven point favorite 22 25 on the over is 44 and a half dolphins obviously favored in terms of the overall money line and um, i like the over i can see this being like a 27 27 17 game Am I mad? No, I I could see the Dolphins dropping 30 on their head and then you only need to get, what, 15 points from somewhere else. So, yeah, I've, I, I don't – I don't I still – you know, when Tua's being healthy and it wasn't a Thursday night, those games are immoral, as we always say. <laughs> if it, When it's not a Thursday night and Tua's not concussed and Waddle and Hill are on the field together, they have been unstoppable. And I don't see any reason, you know, you don't just lose speed. And, uh, and Tyreek and Waddle are still both getting over 100 yards minimum every single week, right? There should not be enough yardage to go around for those guys to do that every week. And yet they still are. Whether it's Skylar Thompson or Teddy Two Gloves, doesn't matter who it is. Those guys are open down the field and ready to score touchdowns. So I, I could see them. I could see them dunking all over the, the Steelers defense and yeah, putting up 30, 35 points, whatever you want it to be. And so, yeah, I, th- I still think the over is pretty strong there, even with the issues I think Pickett will have. To close out, Michael's Obscure Bet of the Week, which is now a new segment, judged by me, just there now. River, River Craycraft, <laughs> anytime touchdown score. There we go. Because they're going to be too busy on everybody, like, guarding everybody else. Craycraft, anytime touchdown score. Is that the best name in the NFL? Yeah. yeah. If only he was still playing for the Broncos. Uh, bet of the Week, Ollie. Uh, do you want to go first for yours? Sure. yours I... is a better bet than mine. And I, I like, like, this is intriguing. This. Like, after the first six weeks, you're going with us. I love it. Tell yeah. us what the bet is. I'm taking the Jags minus three over the Giants as my bet of the week. Um, you know, I've discussed this. This discussed this on the MCFS yesterday, probably in more detail if you want to go and listen to that. Um, I, the Giants are the best story in the NFL, best coaching jobs in the NFL, best offensive coaching job in the league by far by Brian Dable to squeeze whatever he squoze out of that, that offense. Um, best defensive coaching job in the league by 
a factor of 10. And this is a league that has D'Amico Ryan's doing what he's doing with the Niners being the best defense in the NFL, but at least they have all the talent in the world, right? What Wing Martindale is doing with that defense is insane and holy, holy, holy unsustainable. Blitzing at a rate that you only blitz at if you believe you're the worst team in the league, right? Playing one-on-one football across the board with players who you would say in the secondary, right? We'd, we'd all admit they're average if we're being kind, right? Average players in the secondary and they're playing like it's the greatest secondary in the history of time, both in coverage and then playing one-on-one football and never missing a tackle. So that to me is unsustainable. I understand there's been some issues with the Jags offensively the last couple of weeks. Trevor Lawrence has been unbelievable against the Blitz though. Wink Martindale blitzing 43% of the time. The place where Trevor's got in trouble is when he's not blitz essentially. Um, so I, I feel pretty confident in that one. And then of course, I, I think the Jags have maybe the third best defensive front in the NFL. Um, you know, they were still dominant last week, even though the offense struggled. And I see them pretty comfortably shutting down the Giants offense. So you only need, you only need, a, what, two field goals to, to win this bet? I'm, I'm taking the Jags. Match the finish, 6 0. Jesus, I can't even think of it. Here's a big crack, sir. Uh, obviously, next week we're going to be in London on the you Sunday. Have you bet after week. Oh, sorry. Right yeah. My bad. That's how bad the bet is. Uh, thanks for the heads up. Uh, Cowboys facing the Lions. You probably read this, but what's he at? Total no, I, points... I had that on my list initially. I had that on my oh? list initially. Yeah. Total points over nine and a half in the first quarter. I, I went to bed at 14 0 last Sunday. Love it. Love that. <laughs> I went to bed at 14 0 with the Eagles and Cowboys. I, I, if I could do, I don't know if this, I don't think it's available on Unibet, who I know is the, the, the show sponsor or whatever. If you can find in a sports book somewhere over nine and a half on the first two opening drives, I would Ooh. take that. I would take that. I think that this is going to be bombs away, all gas, no break, offense, offense, offense. Now, Dak likes to take 15 minutes to drive the ball down the field. It's very frustrating, whereas with Cooper Rush, there was, there was more explosivity and more variance. But I think it's going to be, I mean, that Lions defense is a horror show. The Cowboys defense is really good, but the, the Lions have no fear, and they all just bombs away from the get-go. I am all over that. I think it's, a, I think it's an unbelievable call from you. There's a quote of the week. Thank you very much. Uh, the the offer in the podcast bio, folks, do, do please check it out if you're interested in betting on the NFL. Um, obviously, please do gamble aware only about what you can afford, but the offer is a sign-up offer if you click on the link. Uh, and I've enjoyed this. I very much look forward, Ollie, to laughing at our selections next week. And I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll see you then. Lots of fun catching with you then.